From ThatShelf.com, this is Black Hole Films. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. What's a black hole film, you ask? Well, you know those films you always meant to get around to watching, but you never did for whatever reason? Well, that's what they are. And this podcast is all about embracing them and checking those films off our lists and talking about them and whatever else happens to come up. I'm Canadian filmmaker Jeremy Lalonde, and I will be your host. You can follow me on Twitter at LalondeJeremy, or check out my website, JeremyLalonde.com, for more information on me and my projects. If you like the show, please subscribe to it, rate, review it, and leave a comment on whatever platform it is you're listening. It really does make a difference in helping to get more ears tuning in. And if you like this show, check out the others on the ThatShelf.com family of podcasts. And without further delay, let's get into this week's film. This is episode 244, and today I'm joined by Canadian comedy legend Aurora Brown. You know Aurora from Baroness Von Sketch Show, which I was very fortunate to be able to work with her on, as well as more recently, the new CBC show, Run the Burbs. And we're going to sit down and watch a film together. All right, so we're sitting down to watch Legally Blonde. I'm Jeremy, and I have seen this film, but not for quite some time. And with me is... Aurora Brown, and, and we were together on a little show called There. That's fun sketch. Oh, and we haven't seen each other in way too long. Look, I'm oh, you're wearing the hoodie. Nice. Wearing the hoodie. Did you get one um, of these? I did. Yeah, I have lots of Baroness swag. It's I still have the backpack, and I love it so much. It's a good backpack. Solid Great. backpack. Mm-hmm. Um, so you pick. So what I loved about our selection process is you gave me this like list of like a great list of like some really classic movies, some well like, and then but Legally Blonde was on there, and I just said, look, I said I would do any of these with you, but which one do you really want to do? And without hesitation, you went Legally, Legally Blonde, Blonde. Yeah. And, I, and I respected that so much. Well, I was I for my list. I confess it was kind of like when you go to the grocery store without a list. I was like, what haven't I watched? I know there's tons of things. So I had to go to like one of those lists of like the 80 men, you know, 80 movies you must see. And uh, um, I think, was that one on it? Or it was just one that I knew I hadn't seen. And so I wrote down, so there's a wildly eclectic list because I hadn't seen. And then I was looking at it. I was like, well, that one looks like the most fun. So, you know, so I was like, okay. Cause we can, and you know, we were talking, you know, Lawrence of Arabia, but you're going to save that for a future thing. Yeah, it was Lawrence movie. Arabia or this. <laughs> <laughs> Or the bicycle thief was on there too. <laughs> I know enough about it that I think it'll be fun. So yeah. So um, what? So this movie is now twenty one years old, I think, right? Which is crazy. It was made. It was early two thousands. So, uh, which is bonkers. So what? What made it so that it took you this long to get around to this? You know. Uh, Around 2000, I should have seen it because I had, I knew people in my life who were into it. It just, uh, I mean, when it came out, I was on main stage at the second city, which is a, which is a a social life vampire because every night you're performing, um, you know, right in the prime time, you know, like your whole evening is shot. And so when I had an evening off, which was on Sunday, I didn't want to go. And I guess I didn't, care to go to uh it, it it started probably that way and then it just snowballed and there's lots some movies you feel like you've seen enough clips you've seen enough ads for you kind of get it 
um, it just didn't hit my fancy. And then it just never came up. And, um, uh, but I've seen like the Ariana Grande, um, video where she, you know, kind of cosplays as L I think her name is Reese yep. Witherspoon. And I think she was in my mind because I heard, uh, you know, Reese Witherspoon has been involved in a whole bunch of like digital things. Like her husband made Quibi and she was going to be on that. And then lately she's the one going, we should all be getting digital personas and NFTs. And I'm like, what's all that about? And so I thought, <laughs> you know, so that's why she was in my brain pan. And I thought, let's go back to that time. Uh, anything to get me out of this year. I'm happy to time travel and go back to like, I don't even know if they, did they shoot it before 9-11 maybe? So there's that. Um, it will have been in the time, even if Britney Spears isn't in the movie or her music isn't in the movie, it's at the time when her music yep. is there. It would be really nice to be back in those innocent um, times. Yeah. So yeah. what do you know about the movie? I know that she's uh, rich, that she has to go to law school for some unusual circumstance. And I think she does unexpectedly well. That's all I know. That's a good going. So it's funny. So my son's going to watch with me. Uh, and, um, and we were going for, we were walking the dog and he's like, what's it about? I'm like, well, I said, let's, I, let's play this game. It's called legally blonde. What do you think this is about? He's like, I don't, I don't know. And I said, well, like, let's break down the words. What, what's blonde? Like, what do you think the boy word blonde you think mean to you? He's like, Someone with yellow hair. I was like, yeah, but what's like the social connotation of a blonde? No idea. And I was like, so has your, gen- has this like skipped your generation that you don't understand like the cliched version of a blonde? Like, yeah. That's fantastic that that disappeared from the social construct. Totally. But it was, it made me, I was like, wow. Like, like, like the whole, like the cliched version of a dumb blonde, which is kind of what this is playing into. He had yeah. no idea that what that meant. And I was like, that's so fantastic. I was so happy. But then yeah. you go, oh, is that bad? That so I'm, so I'm really interested to rewatch this now, knowing that just to look in it and see how much of it. Because I know at the time, I remember reading an interview at some point where Reese Witherspoon uh, talked about how she didn't want to play like a cliche valley girl. Like she wanted to represent that type of person authentically. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I can't remember the performance at that point. So I'm curious to watch it now going, oh, like, is that possible to do while you're also still doing a bit of a send up? I will be so interested to see. I will be also so interested to see something that is probably even like more soaked in gender role humor than it even realizes. Um, Kudos to to your son and to you guys. I'm sure there's lots of kids somewhere in the world who are like, oh, blonde or dumb or whatever. It's funny because like when my son was a baby, I was, you know, like I've gone through the point in my femininity where I was like, why do they have to make everything pink or why do you have to wear these things? And then it's actually going, being a mom and going to playgrounds where there are girls fully getting dirty and wearing tutus. It, it, I, I dropped a little bit of that. We don't have to be, it's like, why does it an exclusive thing? Like why do the Venn diagrams not meet of like foofy and pretty and stuff like that and smart and stuff, you know, like I did that kind of like, that Jedi mind trick, they all, they told all of us that, you know, to be one, you can't be any of this. Right. And I quite like that in my life. I've like, it's like, you can be all these things. Like when I watch, uh, when I first started watching Yo Gabba Gabba, at first I was like, Oh, Fufa. And after a while I was like, 
I would rather hang out with Fufa than any of the other three. She sounds like way more fun. And I don't like, know what that is. Is that, is that a kid's thing? Yo, yo. It's a little kid's thing. And I missed uh, that one. Well, kudos. Or, get ready, my friend, because there's so many great bands on this show. We watched it once Sebastian was a kid, but it, it has those like, it had like the soft pinky kind of like fun stuff and all, and like various, you know, kinds of personalities in these, um, these puppets. And, uh, I'm looking forward to both embracing Elle on, in that kind of way where I'm like, you know, what re-examining my own things about like what blonde and pink and that kind of stuff means. And at the same time, I'm ready to criticize Elle for, <laughs> for, for this movie. I'm ready to embrace it and criticize it in equal measure and just enjoy it. I hope. I'm curious because there's movies that were made, you know, five years ago that don't hold up because of, you know, how things have shifted and changed in, in, in recent years. So this movie that is now, you know, two gen- two decades older, I- I'm very curious. So, yeah. so let's dive in. Let's, let's dive in. Okay. Um, I'll see you. I don't even know how long this movie is. So I, I'll oh, see. It's comedy length. So probably I'm going to guess somewhere between an that hour and a half. That was part of my choice. That was part of my choice. It's like, I, I don't want a three hour, you know, like action hero kind of thing. I've watched enough of those. So let's watch an hour and a half of fun comedy. We'll be back here. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. So we just finished. And mm-hmm. credits have rolled. Credits have rolled. What would you think? You know, it's funny. I uh through like the first half of the movie, I was really enjoying it. I was like, this is actually kind of a great satire of a whole bunch of things. This is a really great comedy script. You know, like they're kind of hitting a whole bunch of fun notes. And then they're hit a point where she just started getting weirdly good at her job. And everyone's just like, no, let her like just go into the courtroom, man. And like, you know, she's going to be great. Don't worry about it. And um, she starts she starts being so fantastically skilled at everything that it kind of gets a little, and everyone's just like, she's amazing. She's amazing. And it just kind of, it flattens out a little bit from like the kind of fun satire it was starting off to be in the first bit. Um, that being said, uh, I did enjoy it quite a lot. Yeah. Things um, get expansion exponentially easier for her as it goes along in, in a way that's yeah. not as fun to watch. Like it's fun to watch her overcome those things. Right. Yeah. Yeah, it just so happens that all the things that she does, it just so happens that everything in this case lines up with her skill (laughs) set that she had pre life, right? Which is is the point. Yeah, and that was fun up to a point, like when she, you know, when she says like I would never sleep with somebody who wears a thong. She's like, I know, you know, like like that was those were like fun details. But then when she started, it, it was just a little, yeah, it was just a little too much. It would have been better if at the end she had to like pull something out that she's learned since going to law school to save her as opposed to knowing about perms. Yeah. I'm going to pull out my nerd knowledge. Uh, I've watched so many Pixar movies um, because of having kids, right? Yep. And so I at one point looked at their like rules of comedy, you know, or they have like rules of, or rules of whatever they have. But yeah. I think comedy. And one of the good ones that they have on that list is coincidences get you into trouble, but they shouldn't get you out. Yeah. So the fact that the guy just happens to notice her shoes, she's like, Oh, this, he must be gay. You know, like there's, a, I mean, there's a whole lot around that. I mean, it's like, yes, you must be right. You know, like, um, and the that way was, that was for me, the worst stereotyping in the movie was that whole gay was, thing. That was, 
Oh, it was better than her teaching a salon full of women, including black women, how to dance. That was quite something. The bust and snap. (laughs) The whiteness of it was just like, wow. Like, anyway, that's, yeah, we'll get to that. But like, um, I mean, yeah, that was, you're right. She would have known that, but the fact that she'd already gotten so far was like, on the uh, um, and like with the daughter that she was actually asking her questions I happen to know at this point in my life a little bit about the law like you never go in not knowing what answers you're going to get for your questions like there's nobody nobody ever kind of feels their way through you know although I know that that's a trope of movies and you know it's the law is such a fantasy um and that is the part that I'm thinking about because it just happened but like um when I was younger, I wanted, yeah, I wanted to be a, a lawyer because of movies where they got to say the coolest things and they seem so smart. But then I realized, oh, I don't want to be a lawyer. I want to make movies. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's 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 a fantasy version of a lawyer, that's for sure. And you knew that Linda, that the daughter was going to be guilty because Linda Cardellini was playing the daughter. Also, Linda Cardellini was like, she's my age. And like, she was meant to be the same age as the, the wife oh. on trial. Oh, the, yeah. And I'm like, oh, Linda Cardellini is like playing a teenager at this point. She looks like a teenager. And you're trying to say that she, that was one little thing that like. That was confusing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, my, my new favorite game when I'm watching stuff with Ephraim is I was like, oh, you know that actor. He's like, what? And like, Hawkeye's wife. <laughs> yes, we do the same thing. Like, and this, or, and then when you throw voice acting into it, it's like, that's the guy who does the voice of X, Y, and Z. And he's like, oh, wow. You know, <laughs> so if I ever do like run into a, a, a celebrity with him, I'll be like, this is the one who did the Studio Ghibli remake of when they dubbed in the voices, you know, that kind of stuff. That's so funny. Um, yeah. So, but yeah, but up to a point, up to a point where it started getting pretty Hollywood, like everything has to go well for her and everybody's just, and it's just kind of about good feeling uh, up until then it was, it was kind of fun how, it was poking fun at her and her world and the East coast, you know, world. Like there's the scene where she, where she meets with her, some TA and everybody just goes around and introduces themselves. And everybody else in the class is like such a wonderful over the top cliche of like more and more accomplishment. And nobody wears any color, but her, everybody's in yeah. Brown, you know, as well, she's, got the, like, she's got the eye book and everyone else has those like black laptops. Yeah. Yeah, like incredible, incredible wardrobe work for sure. She got to keep all her wardrobe. That was part of her contract. Oh, really? Can you imagine like the boxes that got delivered to her place at the end of the shoot? Yes. Yes, I can. <laughs> That's awesome. It's awesome, but also like when are you going to wear those like, you know, outfits that are all pink, but just like slightly lighter pants and the slightly more saturated top and it's like oh man that was the 2000s like so bang on so bang on yeah well there's what so is, much is, even no, like late 90s stuff like my son doing that opening when when they're going across the quad uh, or just like the lawn my son's like hacky sacks this is 90s i was like no it's just post 90s but you're still right <laughs> yes they're still they're around from that still i guess but yeah, yeah it's it's uh yeah um, but I was going to say, like, when, like, you watching it again. It was interesting, that- like, because I haven't seen it probably since it first came out. Um, although I must, I may have watched it. So I have a, a small, weird connection to this movie in that Kirsten Smith, who was one of the writers, mentored me on a project. Oh, yeah. Um, I, 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 got a, I, I got 
selected to uh, see it. The CFC does this thing called the Comedy Lab, and every year they pick three projects, uh, and they they hook them up with like you know big Los Angeles mentors, and you go out and you spend a week there, and you and you get to like work with them on your pitches and all that kind of stuff, and they give feedback on your scripts. And then you go out and you pitch to all the studios and you have that whole experience. And so she was uh, my writing mentor for our project. Um, and Ron Yerksa was our producing mentor and he produced like Little Miss Sunshine and all the Farley mm. Brothers movies. So it was a pretty cool window into that. Mm. And, and one of my favorite movies when I was a teenager was 10 Things I Hate About You, which Kirsten also wrote. Um, wow, cool. So yeah, I so, would be so interested to hear, like you know, I mean, my assessment of like it started. It seemed like somebody had come in with like a really good, you know, uh, Ferris Bueller type satire of high school, whereas this is like a satire of like you know, law, law and these kinds of worlds in California and so on. And I wondered if it had gotten noted into a more family friendly, yay, we're all happy kind of ending. I don't know. I'd be so curious to know. It definitely feels like the movie changes tone in, in the third act here, right? Like it becomes yeah. almost like the movie's working almost up until the point she gets hired to be the lawyer. Yeah. You know? Like even when like like she gets offered the internship and then he instantly, you know, puts sexual like Victor Gorber instantly puts sexual events on here, like, ooh. And I, and I love that that it happens because like, yeah, that I buy that now. I buy that it's like yeah. that's yeah. why he you know, because and, and it also kind of explains any kind of time you're going, would she really have got the internship? Would she, would she really have done this? You know, it, it kind of allows for any of that skepticism to happen. But you yeah. still, as an audience, you go, well, I see how hard she's working and oh, yeah. you're endeared by her. So you kind of let you, you know, I never questioned that the first time I watched it and this time that she earned her spots. Oh, yeah. Because also like the movie gets so many the comedic moments, especially in the first and second acts of the trope of she's actually super smart. And like that persona talking about it, like in detail about stuff. And it makes, you know, they clearly set her up from that very first interaction where she knows that it's, you know, viscose and like, you can't put that kind of, she has an eye for detail. She remembers a hundred things. It's funny. Cause like the, the most um, time travel. Wow. They didn't know what they were talking about moment in a way was like them going fashion design. Why would she need law? And I'm like, you didn't know, you don't even know the Instagram fashion self-care empires that are about to come that she is absolutely right she's like kim kardashian like you know the twinkle that can in somebody's eye that kim kardashian became all these like lifestyle enormously legal contracts billions you know kind of influencers so that's the most like naive part of the of the film in a way that they're like why would you ever blend these things so they make but they make such a a deal that no, she's legitimately smart. She just has chosen to focus on these things. And when she turns her attention, everybody's like, what, you know, like, I can't believe it. And they, it's, it's like the first two thirds of the movie, the standard reaction for everybody else is like that eyebrow shot. I know really what we were like, you know, like, yeah. huh, well, the first time that. he sees her, his, her ex sees her, right. He's yeah. 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 For many the, reasons. The other thing that's happening in that that scene where they're all going through her resume to sign their letter in is they mentioned that comment. It's like, well, we always talk about how we want diversity. And it's like, oh, that's your version of diversity that's in 2000. <laughs> that's like, wow, that has not aged well. 
But also, especially when you see like, I don't think I don't remember seeing a non-Caucasian student in any of those classrooms. Well, once they're in the background, maybe I mean, yeah. There's a when she's in the sorority, I, I like it was so white and the so white and blonde. It was like a Fox News cast. Um, in the sorority and like the diversity is the redheaded friend, you know, she has the two kind of funny friends yeah. who, you know, so that's yeah, the like, diversity is the redhead, the redhead. But then once they got, and, and so I wasn't really sure, like, is this a product of the time or are they doing this? And then because once she got to the East coast, it was like so brown, like so much more visually diverse than California had been. I was like, okay. So they see the choice that they were making there. Yeah. Um, but even so like the, the first time a black woman, enters the movie meaningfully is in the soundtrack when uh, she decides she's going to like put the work in and like believe in herself. And suddenly it goes from like John Williams S classic comedy movie orchestral music to a contemporary song. And it's a black woman. I think, she, I don't know. I, I don't know what band it was, but I was like, this is like a destiny's child ish kind of voice. I'm yeah. like, I'm going to believe in myself. And she's on her little Peloton and like studying while her dog's watching Chihuahua things. And, and then the women who she teaches to dance. Yeah. Well, the judge, the judge is, is a black woman. The judge is a black woman. That's such a, that's such a, a standard place for yeah. TV to put a black woman in a powerful role. You know, to be fair, it's like, usually a black man. Or a black man. Judge. That's where they show right. up and it like makes up for stuff. But yeah, that, the one scene, that was the, the, that was the other like, whoa, I can't believe it. When she, when Reese Witherspoon is cute as, as L is, is like, bend and snap and the black one were like oh that's pretty cool no i couldn't do any more that's like too much for me and then like dancing in the back like but they don't really show them probably because they're like way better at it than like what the white women in the front row were doing it was just like i can't believe they i can't believe it and then the whole rest of the soundtrack there's a ton of music by black bands or singers to indicate self-belief and energy and scrappiness, you know, and like, um, so that was, that was, uh, uh, a little more apparent than I think it might've been to my eyes anyway, at the time, had I seen it then. Yeah. My it's son like, was an eagle eye. He noticed the, the, I can't remember the name of the character, the mean lady teacher. He oh, noticed yeah. her in, in the beauty salon earlier in the movie. He's like, she's been in every scene there. I was like, what? Hey, little eagle I did eye. Not notice her. Yeah. He's like, she was in the bend and snap scene. I was like, what? <laughs> I did not notice that. That you know, I'm glad to know that because it did seem like weird. Like, why is the teacher suddenly a coincidence at this one salon? But if she'd been there the whole way through, okay, that's better. But I loved it because it made me think of that comment you made when we were talking before about that idea of like that Venn diagram, right? And it's like, oh, it's like she's clearly a smart, accomplished female lawyer. And of course, she can also go and hang out in the salon and, and reward herself that way, too, if that's one of the things she enjoys, right? It was like she'd found an, an, uh, an embassy from her own country when she walked into the salon. She was like, oh, people with nails <laughs> and dyed hair. Like, you get me. And imme- immediately, there, you know, there's Jennifer Coolidge. But it's funny, like, Jennifer Coolidge was that first scene that she was in. She normally, she's one of my favorite parts of whatever she's in, but her character was written a little weird, like, that was another kind of a, a temp, a, like humor. And I was like, that was just to her saying like, I'm spastic or my fat ass or whatever. And there was a bunch of jokes that were written for her that aren't normally the kind of jokes I picture Jennifer Coolidge saying necessarily, because they didn't 
have anything to them other than I'm a big spastic. It was like, that's weird. Like it was like, she was written as like, I don't know, like it's just a weirdly crass and punchy down kind of humor that I don't normally associate with her. But yeah. I did just for that one scene. And yeah. then the rest of it, she is almost like silent. She's, you know, like hitting with her head or doing her. Yeah. Um, she's kind of playing a weird mentor character in a way, mm-hmm. like a, mm-hmm. a real life mentor character. She's not trying to be, you know, represent the voice of, 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 uh, I'm trying to think who that would be. Uh, you know, the, the more intellectual mentor. Uh, Coolidge's character, you mean? Yeah, 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 exactly. Well, she's more, it's almost more like she's an opportunity for Elle to be a mentor to her because she helps her so much. It seems like Elle's like, you know, natural. She's got that same um, impulse to fix people that Cher does in... um, Uh, Clueless, yeah. Clueless, right? Where that's like one of her saving graces. She just wants to help everybody, you know? And and it's like an opportunity for Elle to open her heart a bit or like realize that you know give her opportunity to be smart to be in enterprising and kind of you know pull off the thing with the dog and all that kind of stuff and i guess the comic relief in a comedy yeah the moment that like um she really won now jennifer cool but um reese Witherspoon's character like completely wins me over in the movie is when she shows up at the costume party realizes she's been duped and then owns it shows it, it. And then makes that frigid bitch comment. Yeah. Yeah. That actually reminded me of a book that I read when I was a kid. There's some, some, was it an Anne of Green Gables or one of those Ella Montgomery things, right? I mean, it's also like the scene in um, Gone with the Wind where like Rhett makes her put on her like sluttiest dress that's red and like go by herself into the party. And she just kind of does it. And I read the book Gone with the Wind and she has a similar kind of, like, I'm just going to do it. Think, no, actually, you know what? Elle is even more like, I'm going to do this kind of thing. And um, yeah, I did like that about her. And that that part of it fell away a little bit because she started dressing more and more like a lawyer. You know, like her hair yeah. got, well, got a little messier and she started wearing things that were not pink. That She has a green cardigan. I loved her wardrobe. Um, and she starts getting a little more regular. So there's a little less of that humor uh, or those opportunities, but I agree. I liked that she just like believed in herself and and did the work and like started doing the homework and. That's um, it. Well, she's a hard worker. Like she's endearing. Yeah. You know, yeah. it, it's hard not to love her, and and she even likes has those comments about how it's like I wouldn't, you know, I I would not have been mean to you at the sorority party. She has that weird moment where she rescues like the awkward nerd guy, mm-hmm. but it's such a weird because when you deconstruct that moment, you're like, so wait a minute. So these girls now, these other two girls who are yeah. turning this guy down, now the narrative they believe is that this guy broke your heart and was cruel to you, and now they want to go on a date with him? Mm-hmm. Because he fucks good, maybe. <laughs> yeah, that was weird. That that was another weird moment where I was like, what decade like, this so- are these sexual politics out of like yeah i like her little save the cat moment where she rescues the the nerdy guy but also then it's like so wait a minute now you guys want him to treat you badly like you're into him just because she mentioned he was good in bed was that what it was yeah you it girls was, that are at harvard <laughs> yeah it was weird it was because uh, like when she was saying her thing to him slapping him and saying the thing i was like okay i see what you're doing 
he, you know, is amazing. Like you're just like ticking off all the things, but you're out of the picture. I see what you're doing. But yeah, it was the, the, uh, like screwball comedy. It could have been made in the eighties line of like, so what are you doing now? You know, kind of thing. It's, it's weird how, like, when you see a movie that's a little bit out of your own decade, how you start to see how there are things that show up in every other decade of movie, like all, like all the female characters at school who are a little bit mean, they start to kind of look like they could be in the forties. Like, and I don't mean that they're 40. I mean, yeah, that they're yeah, in another yeah. era. like they're wearing pearls. They got just kind of like hair that has the Rachel kind of thing, but it flips out at the bottom and you see how close it is to the sixties to the 40, like that, that, and that kind of stupid character of, you know, the illogic of like, um, what are you doing? Telling her it's a costume party. Okay. I won't say anything. I won't even tell them when it, you know, like it's just the weird tropes that kind of show up again and again. And you might not recognize them when they're right in front of you, you know, when it's first released, because you just think this is how life is. But when you see it with that little bit of remove, it's like, there's always these, you know, the, the interesting characters that are evergreen are the ones that are a little more personal and a little better. Yeah. And you have really, you know, Reese Witherspoon is a great actor, but, um, but it's interesting. Like you're, it makes me think of like, I think with what's the problems with this movie. And, and again, I, it, it's super fun. It's really enjoyable. It's endearing. Yeah. But I think like, to what you said, it's like to highlight it, it's, it's, it's almost as if it's a product of like kind of the kind of movies that came before it, mm-hmm. but you can tell that it's like, it was trying to push the boundaries a little further, but then, like you said, they probably just got noted and they're like, Hey, you should have a moment like this. Cause mm-hmm. these movies do well when you do this and it should end like this. So if we mm-hmm. just do these things, then it works. Cause there are these moments where it feels like it's being, I don't know. Progressive is the right word, but it's, 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 it's smart. You know, it's being a lot smarter than a movie like this probably needs to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then there's moments where you're like, oh, you were smarter than that earlier. Why are you doing this now? Yeah. I mean, you hear stories of how, like, the very first script of Pretty Woman was actually like a dark tale, cautionary tale. And she actually does kind of rip them off. And then they they gentled it, you know, like a horse, like a wild horse into the pasture so that it was kind of palatable. And I couldn't help but wonder if there was like a really sharp um, satire. Like Heather, Heather's type version of this. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And I can't remember if this was before or after election. What year did she do election where she placed uh, Stacey Flick? God, it had to have been before. Um, let me look it up. I, I want to say election's 99. This is 2001. Yeah. Um, Stand by. Uh, it's 99. I was right. Look at me, nerd. There you go. Uh, well, 99 was this weird mo- year where like so many iconic movies came out. Like that was the year of Fight Club, um, being John Malkovich. And it was wow. just this, this year of like, and there's more American Beauty was two, 1999. Right. Uh, it, it was just this weird powerhouse year of all these yeah. like big first films by new filmmakers um, and that have really stuck around. So, for some reason, I, I remember that was pl- part of the class of 99. But still, like, this is something, like, this was still probably, I think election was the thing that got, you know, Reese Witherspoon no- known. But this is the thing that blew her up. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, but it was. I was just looking at, do I still have the page lined up? I was looking at just the trivia on some of the other people that were up for the movie. Uh, and some make sense, but Charlize Theron was up for the movie. 
Huh. I was like, that, I don't know if I would buy that. I don't buy that as much, but now it's hard for me to see anything but Furiosa when I think of her. So it's, you know, like at the time, maybe she could have tried to pull it off. She certainly looked right. I mean, up for it. Does that just mean she was called in, you know, or, uh, or, or was she was, it says she was considered for the role. So who knows what that means? Um, but cause I just buy like, and I, and I know there's no way to say this without coming off the wrong way. But it's I don't buy that she comes off as not dumb's not the right word, but like as naive. Naive, thank you. Naive as as L. Yeah, I mean it's funny too because unfortunately, well, I haven't watched any of her latter day stuff. I didn't see the backpacking one. I didn't. I haven't watched um, the HBO show. Oh, Pretty just- Little. I oh, know uh, Big. Little big, something. big little lies, big little lies, yeah, yeah. So, I don't know where she's gone really these days, but it's kind of unfortunate because she was so good in election. And she's so she, I think that her her greatest wheelhouse is when she's in a bit of a satire playing kind of a crazy person. And there's just little that she does this, this great as well. She's very real in all the emotional moments, she brings all that good acting to it. But I just think like it was such a great role for her that this is a little bit like I wish it was back that way a little bit but it was like it was sliding into like the you know the more palatable that that irony like you know pre 9-11 yeah. kind of stuff like I don't think that I don't think that election I'm going to take a guess did as well and say the middle of the U.S. as say as the <laughs> blonde did right no it was definitely one of the, it was definitely more of a niche film for sure but it's yeah. one that i revisited it just a couple of years ago and it's still great it's great it's yeah. so smart and funny and dark and wonderful and yeah. everyone in it is just matthew broderick's again it's like just the casting of that movie is so brilliant you know yeah. casting ferris bueller as that as the as the teacher the teacher so great yeah it's so it's just it's smart because it's like you get that wink that that helps it but also it's just it's something that's uniquely its own too yeah and it's a kind of awareness of the person's life that adds to the movie instead of taking it away like oh there's tom cruise he's a weird scientologist this is like oh this is ferris bueller so this is like beautiful symmetry Yeah. yeah yeah um i did want to circle back to that prof that we were talking about uh professor i think smallwell or something like that is her name something like that because I, that, first of all, that actress, I can never know her name. I even read it in the credits and it's gone. But she's like one of those actors you see, like if when growing up watching television at the, from the tail end of the 70s when I was a little, little kid through to like the 80s and 90s, that woman was in a lot of things. And I cannot tell you any of what they were. But I, when I saw her, I was like, oh, there's that woman, you know? And she... This is a really specific thing in that first scene where she comes into the lecture hall. I swear to God, did RuPaul watch this particular scene to get that, you know, the, the, you know, you're going to, you know, lip sync for your life because she has the moment. She's like, this is where you're going to be for the next eight months of your life. You know, and she just kind of shoots it off and she's Maybe. got mean kind of interrogatory kind of like ferocity to her. And um, so I was like, there's a lot of little bits of like, like, post drag race now it would be like she's fabulous come into your party with your you know like now you would have like jonathan van being like honey you show up 
with your, you know, little bunny ears and you be your bunny self. Like now that's like a lot more of an accepted cultural thing, but, but back then it was, um, it's just, uh, sorry, I'm rambling because I'm so excited about that scene, but that, but that you can just see these little bits of like the culture that we're about to explode all over the place. And we're still trapped in this kind of like fun tale of a white girl being applauded by literally everybody in the movie. Yeah, a very privileged white girl too. You know, really? yeah. showed, my son was like, "She's driving a Porsche." I was like, "Yeah, she's doing. She's fine. <laughs> That's not this kind of movie. We don't need to." <laughs> yeah, what she's like, she's like, just everybody thinks that I'm blonde and that I'm a certain way, and nobody will give me a chance. I'm like, oh, oh, yeah, oh. good for you, you precious little I, thing. Yeah, this, uh, you know, yeah. Like kind of thing. I, I, anyway, but it's just like it's it's like a Disney movie almost, except that I think there is some sexual suggestions in it. But other than that, you could easily show this on the Disney Channel, and you know, oh, it's got sure. just, just enough uh, sex appeal. She's like a she's a bunny, but you know, um, and like the woman who's on trial because there's like a little bit of suggestion. She has a lot of like cleavage showing, but it's it's a family friendly movie really. yeah for sure my son really enjoyed it um i haven't seen i know they made a sequel with her um yes red white and blonde i believe it's called um right. or at least that's the tagline and then they did a spinoff that's i think about her cousins uh her twin co- younger cousins that go to harvard oh and i can't remember what it's called but i know they did like a weird spinoff sequel kind of thing with characters that are, I bet you Jennifer Coolidge is in a, in a scene. Yeah, <laughs> I bet you there's like a weird connection like that, where they yes. brought back a character like that, so that it, that way it can be part of the canon. The way Eugene Levy is in all the American Pie sequels. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. Um, and my other thing, I wanted to share something with you, and I'm again, I think I have to do share screen, so maybe I can record okay. the audio too. Uh, I don't know if you're aware of this. I wasn't aware of this until last week. Um, but I got to find one second. Let me make sure I got it queued up here properly. There we go. Um, because, um, where is it? Great. So there's, uh, as they do now, because they've run out of original ideas, there's a Legally Blonde the musical. Oh, right. So I, want, I wanted to play you. Here's the thing. And when I first, this song came up in a playlist one, I'm like, this sounds like the stupidest song. And then I secretly love it. So I'm just going to play you just a little bit from the opening number, which is called, okay. I won't even tell you the name of it. You'll, you can probably see it, but I'm just going to play just a little bit. I'll just let it wash over me. I won't yeah. cheat. Four carrots, a princess oh. cut. Are you psyched or what? I just wish I could be there. I just really love the way that oh my god you guys worked for that worked way better than I thought it would when I saw the title of the song I was like that's so it was in my head for days See, that's the part of the movie where I was like this is great satire like they have a real handle on what they you know what they're just gently pointing out you know about this like that's kind of what I I, I kind of wish I'd stopped watching the movie two thirds like just after Victor yeah. Garber uh, uh, harassed her and she quit because after that it started getting kind of mushy up until yeah. then it was still like oh this is cool they're showing us different things and um, but because of that song was in my head while I was watching the movie 
every time someone they because and I I clocked it. it was like a drinking game for me without drinking where I'm like every time I heard someone say oh my god oh and my especially god. and when she wins the trial case everyone says it including the judge yes <laughs> to see if like oh my god oh my god oh my god I was like oh that's why they they of course they had to write a song I, I bet you there's a song called bust and snap in the musical I haven't looked hundred percent that is in the musical <laughs> I'm gonna 100%. look it up hundred percent. Now look I gotta look up. up. I'm gonna look up the track names and I'll share. If them. there isn't, I'm. Then they don't know what they're doing by making movies. It's like, yeah, why would you? They, they probably had the bend idea. Bend and of, snap. I got it wrong. It's bend, bend and snap. snap. Yeah. And there's 100 percent a song called Bend and Snap, which there has. Oh my to god! Be. In the Bend and Snap, like it was. I was kind of watching it, like, what is happening? And then at the very end, from nowhere. One more super gay hairdresser just like slides in. It's like, oh, the bend and snap works every time. It's like, who is this guy? Where is this 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 persona from? And how did he even know they were doing the song? Since he was, if he was mixing color in the back, and that's where he's coming. It was just one of those like what like moments. Yeah. In a movie that had you know maybe more not uh, not as many of those as I thought it might have. I, yeah. You know, I was I was slightly pleasantly surprised to be like, okay, there's a reasonable amount of like past cringe, but of course they made a musical of this. Um, I what do they do now? That's all, because I know that there's a Mean Girls musical too, right? There's all these movies, like old comedy yeah. movies that now there's like, oh, well, we, we how, how could we possibly make here an original musical? We need to yeah. use some kind of IP that exists. Um, isn't it the pain of like, I mean, just for like to be inside baseball about it, but like when you look around at like what's being created, it's like the only people who are allowed to make something original are people writing novels and uh, graphic novels, you know, because everything is basically something else to start with. Pitching something yeah. original feels. And even great. then, there's like, there's novels that are just like based on IP too, right? It's just, it's just, it becomes eventually, it's like it's the snake eating itself, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's why I appreciated, um, in Hawkeye, like that opening when they had like the Rogers musical, I'm like, they're making fun of themselves. I don't know if they're aware of it, but I love it and I'm all for it. Yes. Like the fact that they're showing that there's like an Avengers musical inside of the Avengers is like, this is, <laughs> this is a perfect example of the snake eating itself. But I'm, I promise you within five years, we're going to see Rogers the musical on actual Broadway. I'm sure that's, they're talking about it. <laughs> You're so right. You're so right. Because oh, people God. would pay to see it 100%. Remember when they did this? Was it a Spider-Man musical and Bono yep. did the music? Yeah, well, and, was, and it wasn't it like was rife with accidents and dangers, and they realized they couldn't actually do it because if people were getting yeah. hurt. But I bet the technology has progressed since then, my friend, and we're going to have that shield going right over the audience's head, you know, like like in a big throw, and then and the Thor will come from his hand, hammer, and it'll just be like it'll be like a like a what's the like a zipline uh, zipline? Oh, on. there you go. Yeah, there's a way uh, to do it if you can lean into the corniness of what you're seeing, right? Yeah, yeah. But I think in the end, uh, it's funny you're saying like all these musicals. I'm like, I think that they are building these musicals for people who are coming in for a day trip to New York who are from like not yeah. the East Coast. Yeah. We're like, we'll go see this musical and we're going to go spend some money. And that is also another thing I want to talk about. Like, there's just like just the 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 money that goes around just the total wealth of everybody in this in this movie and that and that that's kind of bound up in her femininity and all this stuff like there's just so much gotta go shopping gotta go shopping and i feel like the musical must be you know like it's just part of that like it's 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 so meta it's brilliant 
Well, I, I'm hoping, like, I'm actually now, because I wanted to wait until we revisited the movie. And I, I think tomorrow, like, when I'm walking my dog, I'm going to listen to the whole Spotify playlist of the musical because I'm curious. And I'm hoping that it almost, like, lets, especially because now I'm sure I haven't looked up when it came out, but it's got to be in the last, you know, five or so years that the musical came out. And I'm wondering if they were able to, like, you know, updated in ways that make it a bit more, uh, you know, modern and progressive in some ways. And I wonder if if it's dark, if it has more of a satirical edge because you yeah. kind of get away with that in a musical. I mean, I was just thinking, oh, I wonder what moments are going to be made into songs, but there's no real guarantee that they'll keep the plot of the movie because the way the movie goes would kind of be deathly on stage. Maybe like it feels like there'd be more scenes and maybe... I don't know, but there's going to be like something in the courtroom about a perm, if that's still a plot point in the musical. Um, uh, what other moments? Have faith in yourself. You know, like don't leave, you know, don't or stay. There'll be one about him saying, stay here, believe in yourself. Don't go back to California. And she's sail, she says she's going anyway, right? Yeah, the song names don't give away much. Like there's the bend and snap. There's a song called Take It Like a Man, <laughs> uh, which... Uh, hopefully is about, I'm oh, sure maybe, it's about, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, maybe it's the law professor singing to her saying, you can take this, you know, don't let one guy hitting on you make you quit. Hopefully. Uh, I'm looking at this, the singers associated with it. There's a female, there's a male and a female singer associated with this song. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the rest of the titles are kind of generic titles. So I'm, I'm going to be, I'm very curious to see, uh, to listen to this. I'm definitely going to. I, uh, <laughs> what, I so, not. No, I'm, I'm going to just because, I, only because I, I legitimately enjoyed that one song. It was one of those, it started up and I was like, I'm going to listen to 30 seconds of this and then skip it. And I didn't skip it. <laughs> I listened to the whole five minutes of it. <laughs> It's a guilty pleasure, my it friend. Was, it was good walking music. Ba, 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 da, 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 da. Okay. It worked okay. for me. That's um, great. So what are some of your like go-to favorite movies from, you know, this period or before in terms of comedies? Like what are ones that you go, that was one of my jams of like, you know, the late nineties, early two thousands. Can you think of any? That's a hard question because it's sometimes it's hard for me to, again, like without looking at it, like what was happening right then? Like, oh, right oh, so, so forget that. So then growing up, like what are some of your favorite childhood comedies that you like have either like passed on to your kid or just, like still think of fondly or even maybe revisit from time to time? Oh, well, um, as far as comedy, uh, there's been a lot of listening to the records of Monty Python and then showing Sebastian Monty Python. And I, I don't know what it is about that, about uh, the Holy Grail, but like, it, it's, it's like a charm. It's like, it's like, giving telling a little boy a secret language that he used to know before he was born because as soon as the knight say me he starts going me around the house you know like it he unerringly picks out the same things that i used to like that we used to say around the house in my family or the little jokes or whatever you know um yeah my kids so- i had the exact same experience when i showed that some of my kids and then we came right after they got two cups and my daughter walked behind my son and they did like the tick 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 and it, it together and i was like this is my new favorite thing that's ever happened yeah it, it's so it's so cool to watch and 
And he had the same reaction to the ending of the Holy Grail that we all have, which is what? (laughs) That sucked. We're like, yes, buddy, it does. They're not great at endings. We explained how they got their comedies. Like we, you know, of course we do because we do sketch comedy, but then it was another, um, uh, uh, Monty Python-ish film. We showed him um, Time Bandits that Terry yeah. Gilliam did that has so many of them in it. And he had the same reaction that I had to the end of that movie too, which was like deep existential like alienation that the parents died. And, you know, so when we show him these beloved films, often he has uh, watching him have the same emotional reaction uh, is, is really cool. Sebastian, or, um, Chris showed Sebastian the Matrix, and when they started explaining what the like the reality outside of the thing and that all this was a lie, he said like Sebastian was like, like just kind of freaked out by it. <laughs> Whoa, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he turned into Keanu. Yeah, and um, so so we do show him stuff. We show we've been showing him the Muppet movie. We sh- we showed him the very first Muppet movie the other night. And, you know, you kind of do this test, like, is something that was good when you were a kid, like, would it be good to any kid? Because they haven't had, like, 30 years of being jaded and ironic and, like, seeing all different kinds of things. Like, you know, is something good. So, like, the Muppets get across to him. Yeah. It's um, the only way I find that you can truly revisit a movie the first mm-hmm. time is watching it with, like, someone like your kids who are experiencing it so fresh. Yeah. Like, I yeah. remember the first time, like, uh, my son and daughter watched, like, both Home Alone and um, planes, trains, and automobiles. Mm. Just the laughter that came out of them is joy that I haven't felt otherwise. Oh, yeah. Just like watching that pure laughter. Yeah. Uh, and even and what I, I did for the podcast a couple months ago, we did Anchorman. My son watched it with us. And oh, he yeah. was just like, he was just couldn't fathom some of the stuff that was happening that was allowed to happen on screen. He's just like, he was just in so much joy because he's like, I shouldn't be watching this. This is probably inappropriate, but dad's letting me. And it was just, it was so joyful to watch him experience it. Yeah. How old is, how old is your son? He's uh, going to be 13 in a, in a month or two, in two, two months. Yeah, like that, that seems like the kind the time when, that seems like the kind of movie you would watch at a sleepover when you're 13. That is like, you, like, wow, this is a little older, but we're going to be totally watch it. Of course we want to watch Anchorman. And so you, you'd want to watch it to see all that. Oh, all that stuff. But now he watches him with me because I have no filter. And I just kind of, if he is game for something, I'm like, sure, you can watch it. Unless yeah. I think it's going to disturb him in a way that he, he's never gotten nightmares though either, right? He was one of those kids that could watch anything and go to bed and be fine with it. Yeah, Sebastian. Or my daughter is not so. Yeah. The only time Sebastian's had a nightmare where he's identified something from something he's watched was actually he had a nightmare that his Woody doll was like crawling underneath the front door to come get him. So... Oh. But Jesus. Yeah, it was horrifying. Um, but uh, yeah, so it, you know, it was Woody from Toy Story. So, you know, and we, he's seen some crazy scenes. Now that I think about it, when you combine all the games that he's played and videos, who knows the videos that he's watched when we're out of the room and he's on YouTube. Oh, right? I can't even imagine some of this that comes out of my son's mouth. But then he's definitely like, there's things about some horror movies where he's just, he's skittish still. Like I got him to watch the original Scream movie the other night and he was nervous going into it and then realized it's it's more of a comedy than anything. Yeah. But he was, he was nervous going into it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they, they can be legitimate. Legitimately but that's, scary. Yeah, yeah, but that, but I also look at him. I'm like, there's only going to be a couple more years like this where he's kind of a little innocent when it comes to those kind of things, and is yeah. willing to admit that to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's funny. It's like I, uh, 
it's like a, an unboxing video that never stops. Oh, kids. I love that reference. Yeah. And it's, yeah. it's, um, uh, and, and I, I do love being able to like carry it like, Oh, now you're going to go see this, you know, and we're, uh, we've, we've just got, we've told him he has to read, you know, X number of books before he can get dying light too. And, um, <laughs> horrible zombie game. Um, but so he's reading Charlie and the chocolate factory, like by himself, you know, nobody reading along with him and he whipped through it really good at it. And him like talking about moments in the books, it's the same way. I wish I could get him into the novels that I was reading at the time, but it's, it's, it is really cool watching somebody come across the same thing. So you can say, see, like, how do you, you know, and they're so close to you, of course. So it's, it is like watching yourself go through it, but then they're different in their own way. And, but it's funny, you know, like we were talking before you started recording way at the beginning, I think that like, I always like movies that are problematic or whatever. They're from like, you know, a different time. Yeah. I always enjoy watching them in order to see the difference too, because some of the things we've shown Sebastian, we're like, Oh, this would be great. And it's like, Oh, this was actually, wow. Huh. You know, I hadn't thought about that. And it, it's like looking at your old, um, you know, yearbook photos. It's like, yeah. wow. I have changed and the, or the world's changed. And, you know, sometimes he'll ask about stuff like you were saying, like your son, like not even getting about like, why is, does the blonde have anything to do with it? Um, it it's so interesting to seeing what a different, uh, what a different perspective. Right. And then what's the same, you know? Yeah. Well, and there's so because our kids will like, anytime something is, you know, outdated or culturally inappropriate now, like our kids are the first ones to go, what? And and, oh, yeah. and and we have, you know, we have great conversations about why are they, what, what people thought this was funny. Like this was Ooh. okay. And it's like, yeah, we used to laugh about that because they used to make people primarily for a long time only made movies for male whites. Yeah. You know? It was yeah. really the main, there's the main target demo. And then, yeah. you know, and so as long as those people laughed and enjoyed it, that, that was fine. It's funny how when you watch them, like so much of the evening shows into it turns into like critical film theory. It's like, well, you, let's talk about the context on, and you like want to give them all that stuff so they understand it. Because I would, I prefer that approach as opposed to you're never watching this stuff. Like, you know, no, I, I, I like talking about it, and uh, yeah, no, if yeah, because if you if you just avoid it, you won't watch anything. Yeah, you know, unfortunately. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, so final thoughts on Legally Blonde. I, I, I guess it's like a, a, a thumbs, I guess a thumbs up. I wish that I, that it had ended about two thirds of the way through. I'll just go back and like, remember that part of it. Uh, a fun little ship in a bottle that from 2022, from 20 years ago. Bonkers. Do you, think, so do you think you'll dive into red, white and blonde? No. <laughs> That's fair. No, I don't think so. No, it doesn't make me want to want to watch the the follow up. Although I'm, I'm, I think I'm going to read the Wikipedia synopsis for the the spin off spin off out of just <laughs> pure curiosity. That's the amount of my life I'm willing to give to it. That yes, that, that one minute it takes to read that. Yeah. <laughs> and I will listen to the musical that because I'm just. I mean, gonna... hear your assessment of it. <laughs> bopping along yeah. well, thanks so much for joining oh thank you so much for having me i love this this is so great I love well, we it. will do it again for sure yeah it's so nice to see your face oh my gosh you do 
Let's all go Thanks for joining us for Legally Blonde. Black Hole Films is a proud member of the That Shelf Podcast Network. You can listen to other episodes of our show and other That Shelf podcasts on thatshelf.com. Please subscribe, leave comments, spread the word, do all the things that let others know you like the show and how they can check it out. You can find me on Twitter, at LonJeremy, and go to Facebook and join the group Black Hole Films. And until next time, go watch something you've never seen before. Thanks. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat.